You are listening to South by Southwest Sessions. Hello, everyone. My name is Austin Nowert, and I am the Senior Film Programming Conference Manager here at South by Southwest, and I'm also one of the film programmers for the film festival. Uh, it is great to see everyone here for the third day of South by. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, before we get started, I wanted to uh, give a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I believe that this session will use, um, or it might use Slido as a Q&A for, uh, for, for audience questions. Um, if you would like to enter uh, a question to potentially be answered, you can um, go to Slido, uh, or you, you can go to the South by Southwest Go app uh, and uh, find the session page for this, or on your computer, you can go to the online schedule um, for a chance to be answered at the end if this session does indeed use Slido. Um, but before we get started, I did just wanna ask, uh, I'm guessing was everyone here at the opening night screening the other night, yes? Amazing, yes, incredible. Uh, this is such a unique film, and when the programming team saw it, we just like could not stop talking about it. And I'm so glad that we can actually talk to other people about it now out in the world. Um, it's a unique film that could have really only come from the mind of the Daniels, but even while watching it, you know, it's like, how the hell do they actually make this film and pull it off? So we are so excited to uh, have the creative team behind that here today to talk about that process. Um, so uh, without any further ado, everyone, please welcome to the stage, uh, the Daniels, as well as Allison Rose Carter, John Reed, and Jonathan Wang. Oh, we didn't get to pick our own walkout music. That's not bad, that's not bad. Good morning, guys. Thank you for um, deciding to spend your Sunday afternoon with us. I know this point of the festival is usually when everyone is uh, sleeping or, um, you know. Nursing like, a hangover. Exactly. You're definitely, not doing definitely that, Definitely right? not me. Um, right. <laughs> not nursing. That looks great. Yeah. Um, we took it real easy. But before we start, I, I know he already asked this. I didn't get to see. Um, show of hands, who has actually seen the film? Holy shit, oh, you guys. Oh, great. Guys. We can get nitty gritty. Guys. We were worried we'd was... like, have to like avoid spoilers. Oh, my God. We're going to get into it. This is so exciting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, next question. Uh, anyone here uh, in the film industry like actually make things? Indie film? Yeah? Okay, great. Uh, and roll. How many of you guys are like producers? Producer brains? Okay, cool. Cool, nice. cool. Um, so today we decided we're like of all the people who are here what would be like a really interesting way for us to talk about this movie and i think whenever people watch the movie they say how did you guys make this how does this exist you know this is an independent film you know relatively low budget like i would say at least 10 times smaller than the marvel budget but we went hard and we made something really amazing and i'm really proud of it and i think a big part of it is because our our, our producing team you know um so one more time you guys want to go down the line to say your name, what you did on the movie. Because we don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm John Reed. I was a co-producer and a production supervisor. And uh, that's it. You. <laughs> Hi, I'm Allison Rose Carter. I was also a co-producer and a UPM. I'm Jonathan Wong. Sometimes pronounced Wang, but it's actually Wong. <laughs> and I was a producer. And we wrote and directed it. And yeah, what do you guys do? Yeah. yeah, tell us about yourself. Oh man, we also got producer credit, but you guys did uh, a lot of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were excited today to kind of uh, 
compliment these guys. Um, so we'll start with that. Uh, but also kind of get in the weeds and try to informally talk about, you know, how movies are actually made, you know? Um, so uh, we'll try to get specific, you know, instead of all those vague marketing you know, buzzwords we can just and talk then, about. And um, then there will be a little time for Q&A, so think of a really good question. If it's really good, maybe we'll reward you with some prizes. So think about some really good, interesting questions. So John has been producing things of ours for 11 years, I think. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so we go way back, uh, and John was part of this movie um, from square one like negative square one you were like ins helping inspire the movie before we even like had the idea um so that's pretty wild and cool and we're so lucky to have a team of people you know that we've worked with before uh so that when we have an idea there's not even this process of like hmm who's gonna help us get this made it's just like Oh, great. I was just going to text John and say, uh, we've got a new idea. Um, so that's a little bit about John. And John had worked with Allison and John Reed uh, before. And so when we were trying to find uh, folks to help us budget it and get it together and get it made, uh, he sang these guys' praises. Uh, just one movie together, right? Yeah, just one. They had just done False Positive. In New York. And I forced them to come and pick up their life and move to L.A. Yeah. Uh, so we were uh, very excited when we met y'all because you were immediately very lovely people. And then, but I was kind of like incredulous. I was like, they're not going to come to LA. Uh, we don't even have a green light yet. Um, and also, mind you, we have a track record of um, having line producers come onto our project, read the script, look at the budget, and then say, and never mind. It happened on Swiss Army Man a couple or times. Or they get on the phone and they're like, so it's impossible. And we're like, no, it's not. And then they quit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it happened a lot on our, on our music videos. And so whenever we meet up with a, a line producer or a UP It happened anyone, a few times on Swiss Army Man, Exactly, right? yeah. a couple. <laughs> so, exactly. So every, time, so every time we meet with someone um, uh, who has to do this job, we're like really... We don't. We don't actually believe it's going to happen. You're like, there's no way they're actually going to stick around for this. Um, and to their credit, they're here. They pulled off the impossible. And and also to their credit, y'all came to LA and helped and believed in the project uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks before it was for sure happening. And a few months. Yeah. Thank you so <laughs> so much. Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks. That equals. Oh, sorry, that's bad math. No. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I kind of couldn't believe it as it was happening. I, t I didn't quite understand it. I was like, do they, what, how does this work? Like, I still don't, that's part of this is just because Dan and I want to understand how our own movies work. Yeah, how does it um, get made? Okay, <laughs> okay well, so I, there's I, a I, role I, called a producer. Right, 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 okay. right. And <laughs> um, what were your initial thoughts as coming from the, you know, logistical side, reading the script first time, what was like, uh, <laughs> where were your brains at? I mean, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot, but it it felt like just sort of like four more layers than you're used to when you read something. You're like, okay, well, I'm used to doing thirty percent of this, so yeah, why can't we do a hundred percent of this? <laughs> like, we're just gonna have to do that much more. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love reading scripts, and when I finish the script, think I have a lot of research to do. That usually means I'm gonna take the movie, and that was. So reading you guys' script, I was like, I have, a, I have a lot of research in order to be prepared 
to make this movie, and that's kind of how I approached it. Do you remember something you researched in particular? Uh, well, I was telling Dan, I spent like a handful of afternoons just watching YouTube videos about visual effects and like independent artists that do visual effects in their living rooms just for fun. There's a lot of really great YouTube content out there of it. Hey, that's how we yeah. learned visual effects too. Yeah, for our movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to our VFX supervisor, Zach Stoltz, right there. Zach Stoltz. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, oh, that's wonderful that you, it makes sense then why you didn't uh, uh, freak out as much when we told you that we were going to try to do all the visual effects ourselves with friends instead of uh, a VFX house. Because um, that was part of how we said we were going to pull this off. Was like, I know on paper it sounds like a ten million dollars of visual effects kind of line item, but we think we could do it with some friends for a uh, hundred times less. <laughs> no. Oh, speaking of research, um, we're amazing moderators, and we do this all the time. And we forgot we're supposed to introduce the trailer. Introduce what? The trailer. For all the people who at home or anyone here who hasn't seen the movie, we're going to play the trailer for you. Oh, sick. <laughs> oh, the, the thing we've been talking about? For yeah, so exactly. Long? All right, uh, let's so let's, let's play the trailer, over. guys. <laughs> Should we leave and Great come segue. Back? All right, let's go. <laughs> this is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. <sighs> now, you may only see a pile of receipts. But I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. of another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you... Be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, that looks really good. Time is waiting in the wind. The universe he speaks of senseless things is so much bigger you than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to just share with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There is no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it.
Ah, our trailer. Oh. So to kind of sum it up, like that, you're talking about 30% normal movie. To get to 100%, what does that mean? This is an indie film that has like five or 600 effect shots. It has like three main storylines plus five or six more subplots plus maybe a couple dozen more sub-subplots and then maybe a few hundred universes that exist for one frame. So it's... Um, then it there's... Is, it's also a kung fu movie with like... Full-on action sequence. <laughs> four full-on action scenes and then like four like little ones peppered between those big boys. <laughs> right. And so... Um, that that for those who haven't seen it, that's what John meant by that extra seventy percent. It's like, oh, this is like uh, making every movie. I mean, every every movie all at once. Um, okay, so let's continue this conversation. <laughs> uh, I remember when I got the first draft of the script, and we worked long, together for so long that it's like a, my, most of my job is just pulling. Like, okay, let me get the information from you. Give me give me the information. Uh, and so they're like, all right, fine, we're, we'll send you the first draft of the script, but like, you know, it's, it's got a lot of changes. And I remember, well, Josh can help me. Josh is their manager and executive producer on the movie. Say well, hi, Josh. Josh is our, our manager, but he does so much more than that, and yeah. he's integral to everything we do. He's, he's also a producer on the project. So, yeah. yeah. Everyone who wants to work in film should find someone like Josh who will do much more than just their job. And that's what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's we what like hats. All, uh, hats. These guys do, too, is much more than just their job. But what was the page count for the first draft? I think uh, 240 pages. 240 pages. And those 240 I pages... Think it, uh, did I think the it was 240 more. version include the long intro? No, I think I we think had cut out... We had a 12-page intro that we were like, oh, right, we'll right, cut right. that out so it's not 255. Was that right, that right. Magnolia? Yeah. The, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so there's been a lot of versions of the movie, uh, but it was 240-some pages. But the rule of thumb in film is it's a minute per page, so that would have been a 240-minute movie. Uh, Fast math, go. How many <laughs> yeah. Four hours, baby. Four hours. Four hours yeah. with a fifteen-minute intro. It would have been. Do you guys like that? Easy. The only Asian, or like, the, 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 one of the Asians on the stage is terrible at math. So, <laughs> breaking stereotypes left and right, guys. Yeah. But yeah, four hours long. So. Um, and and you read it, and you were like, "This is producible. This is easy." <laughs> Yeah, I, I I figured is well, okay. We're gonna have to squeeze this down. So then all they did was just end up just cutting out the scene descriptions and then just cheated the math and then squeezed it into a box and then we made that movie and it shouldn't yeah, happen. Nothing changed, <laughs> right? Uh, don't do that, guys. Be honest with yourselves. Like that's pro tip one. If you're being ambitious, be honest with yourself when you're cutting your script down. We were like being like, uh, maybe we just like. Don't use periods for you know the entire you know, whatever. It's like okay, that will that will cut down like it's, like it's like when you do homework in high school and you're like it has to be three pages so you like figure out how to do the margins yeah, and yeah, yeah. double. We did the it. opposite did of that. The opposite. <laughs> yeah, to make it seem shorter than it was, but it was still yeah. The final shooting draft was 120 pages, so we were like, see, like two hour movie, that's reasonable. Um, so, um, but for some more background, just because we're, we're talking about this movie, like. What was something from one of your past projects that you felt like really helped you with this one? And then what was something in this movie that you just, <laughs> you were terrified of? You know, that you'd never done before in your life, in your career, and you are like, I don't know if I can pull this off. Just because I, I, th I think it's, it's, it's good I'm to know like what kind, of, what kind of work you guys have done before and what your strong suits are. Because yeah, I'm also just curious now. You know? uh, I mean, if you work in independent film like some of you guys do, a lot of projects have 
some form of special effects, visual effects, stunts, but they're like minimal because these are things that you can't usually fit into any kind of independent film. I mean, if you're if you're really deciding to do something that has a lot of those, then you're really committing to that being like the one thing you're spending money on. And this movie had a lot of all of that, so, which is exciting. Like Allison was saying, like researching visual effects, and I was like, you know, like researching the trying to figure out like what a stunt team looks like for you know for someone who had only had stunt performers in for a couple of days of every movie to say we're going to have like a 15 person team there every day like training or or playing uh that was very scary i mean i wasn't even really in charge of that department there he is <laughs> oh who, the guy who was in charge of that department tim, tim, tim Mulek's here yeah that, that was for me as well as like how do we do these fight sequences safely and yeah. like by the board but also creatively and having that balance and like big props to tim for being a huge support in like making that happen um, so that you know we could have these awesome fight sequences. I'm gonna embarrass Tim more because he's so good and so talented. Uh, you, stunt people, a lot of people in our industry are very much sticklers and it's, it's a good thing to be a stickler because you keep people safe, you keep people from being abused and we are all about fair and healthy working conditions. But there's also the person who's willing to sit down and think outside the box within the parameters of safety, within the parameters of the movie. And without someone like Tim, we would never have been able to pull off this movie. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Nobody got hurt. You'll watch the movie, you'll be like, it looks like a lot of people got hurt. <laughs> but nobody got hurt. Yeah, but the other thing about, uh, about the uh, action is that this is kind of Daniel's process, is that they they always know what they want to do and then they're willing to do it in an unconventional way. So one of the things that they said was, we don't want to have Marvel coverage of the fighting so that you have someone else go and pre-vis your whole fight sequence and then you come together and you show the fight scenes. And it's really because they're just self A lot of times like it's, it's, the, it's the second unit thing. Like a lot of times yeah. the director doesn't get to direct the action and we're like, no, that's the only thing we want to direct. <laughs> like <laughs> we'll go do a second unit. Someone else, take Someone else gets movie. to <laughs> film the guy going out the window. That's, that's the thing I want to shoot. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's true. Our, like the DGA rep would show up all the time being like, are the stunts being done without one of the directors? And it's like, no, that's, they would never <laughs> like ever. Right. Uh, but but what they decided was like, all right, we don't want that sort of choreography, so we're going to go on YouTube and find these weird kids uh, from Orange County called Marshall Club and uh, figured out with Tim, how do we let these people who they saw so much of themselves in these two young guys, uh, Andy and Brian, and like, how can we train them to work with Michelle Yeoh and Kihui Kwan and really be able to choreograph Hong Kong style fight sequences. And that was Tim and you two being willing to think outside the box and be like, let's, let's make this work. Yeah, so legitimately we were watching YouTube for references because we're we grew up obsessed with Hong Kong film and like just that the, that style of action is so beautiful. It's a dance. It's playful. It you know it's it's way more fun than the, like like maybe just because I grew up on it. It's like that's that's the stuff I I get so pumped for. Um, and we just were watching this video on YouTube and there's these guys. They're like college. They looked college age. We're like they're probably in China. Like there's no way we can hire these guys. Um, it turns out they're they're in the OC. Uh, there are they are just like the sweetest pack of dogs. Like they are yeah. just have so much energy. And I forgot until last night we were hanging out with them, and they reminded us that 
uh, initially I reached out to them on Facebook. Yeah. Like I just like inst- like internet stalked them and yeah. I was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a making a movie. Uh, I'm real. <laughs> Apparently I said like I'm I'm a real director <laughs> in the message because uh, um, they're somewhat internet famous. So I was like, oh, their inbox is probably blowing up. Um, they're not gonna read my message. And you know, I think there were a lot of reservations about bringing a bunch of completely green but very talented guys on for something. So, you know, like working with Michelle Yeoh, she's worked with the best. Yoon Woo Ping is like the best, like legendary choreographer who basically choreographed all your favorite Kung Fu movies you've ever seen. Even in, here in the States, he did Kill Bill, he did The Matrix. So, you know, she, she's working, she's used to working with the best. And we're like, Michelle, you wanna work with these YouTube guys? Um, but to her credit, she was game. And she actually said after we were done shooting, she's like, these guys remind me of when I was young and we were shooting just whatever we wanted to, in Hong Kong, you know, it felt like no rules. Let's just let's have some fun. Let's 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 try things uh, out. And the nice thing was like we had the safety net of Tim, who is very very experienced. He's worked on so many movies, way bigger than ours, um, and we, we were so lucky that he came down to our level. But um, uh, he was kind of the safety net to make sure everything was done right and everything was done uh, safely. And like like Shannon said, somehow. Uh, we were able to pull off, you guys saw those action sequences, they're so fun and so inventive and um, to have that kind of, uh, that level of uh, creative action in an indie movie is like unheard of. So so that checks off one box that you guys are afraid of, the action sequences. We we found some guys on YouTube, okay? So that's, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are taking notes. <laughs> but I think the thing about the whole process and like really the thesis for how we pulled off the movie was being able to do that in almost every department. And it's very rare to be able to find across the board, everyone being willing to think like in that way. So when, you know, VFX, we did it that way. Camera, we did that way. Larkin is here. Hey buddy. <laughs> Our cinematographer is here. <laughs> we'll get to him later. But yeah, every single department. And, and that was what you two did was you built an incredible, paradigm to be able to squeeze all like how do we take this finite amount of money and give every department the maximal amount of money to do it the way that we want to yeah and I think a huge thing that helped is that you guys worked with all these people before because so much of independent film prep is just getting to know people so I know I was a little anxious about coming in and being kind of the new kid and understanding like I've seen your work and so I kind of get what your where your priorities are and where your creative like you know design lives uh, what um, what are our priorities from an outsider I'm just curious <laughs> um, I would say it's a mixture of uh, absurdism and heart how expensive is heart <laughs> oh sorry it's, it's the heart that's you're cheap. really good moderator you're really good <laughs> but, but yeah so it really really helped that we didn't have to now well, it's not a waste of time but the the time had already been spent to build relationships with the dp the production designer um and even tim worked with you guys before on many things so um actually that was really tim helpful. started in our first music video that came to south by southwest and we actually won that year and that was right. our first introduction to that was our first world. job with john, john too. first yeah. job yeah, yeah. can i, can I uh, ask what you guys had him do um, so if oh, you guys you have not, not seen... The, oh, you do know. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys have not seen the music video we did for Battles, it's um, basically a man falling down an escalator uh, in, like forever for about four minutes straight, and it's a single shot. It's an up escalator, and he yeah. slowly falls down it for a three-minute song. Uh, and that was how we met Tim, was we were like, we, <laughs> he's the star, and he had to fall down an escalator for like a whole night. But next time you're at the airport and you're on an escalator, look at the teeth that come out of an escalator, and that's lit- literally, he was falling down that all night 
in it, literally, mall. It, it tore through your leather jacket. I remember being like, what yeah. the hell? Four, Four leather, leather jackets. Like, what the hell are we yeah. doing to this But man? the stunt pads underneath yeah. did not tear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> it's okay. That heals back. Stunt pads don't heal, so I think we're okay. <laughs> but that's a, good, that's a good case study for what we did on the movie. Is like We had like $4 to make that music video, but we still were like, okay, we, have, we need to do a motion control rig. So we ended up going to a motion control company and we're like, please, 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 can we just have one for free and we'll, we'll use you on in the future? And for some reason, they're like, okay. Because <laughs> we also pitched it. the idea and we're like, you can uh, brag that your machine can do all this. And I think they, like, they liked the concept too. So, so far, uh, YouTube and begging. These are the begging. tricks? Yeah. Okay, great. YouTube and begging, right? I mean, I think a big piece of it is is what Allison was saying was having a team of people that you worked with before and the way that that kind of extends out is the way that and it comes back to your initial question is what did we bring to the table from previous projects is scope. Like you have to bring everybody in as you're starting to build a project and just give them an understanding of what the scope of the project is going to be. And if you set that correctly and everybody agrees on like how that's going to work then the rest of it is like well we're all working on the same movie we're all working in the same size film if you come in and you give them some idea that they're making you know a marvel film then things are going to go off the rails but it's a lot easier to to have that kind of scope when you're working with people you trust so you guys obviously now we have a bunch of more people we trust and we were able to bring some folks that we trust and 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 that was really what made it happen was being able to like have honest communication together about what the what the thing actually needed to be. Totally. Uh, we, we've already been doing this a little bit, but my main my question I was excited to ask y'all is uh, what are some of the unsung heroes of the movie uh, and why? Um, it's just, there's a lot of them. It's one of my favorite things to talk about in general, but like uh, you guys, all three did a very good job of kind of censoring Quan and I from like certain challenges because like it, we get overwhelmed if we know everything you know um and so sometimes it's like weeks later that like John would tell me like oh my god this almost happened and this person showed up and drove this truck for six hours last night um but I just thought it'd be fun to it happens uh, almost every week on film streets you're just like something slips through the cracks and you're like ah, it's, right. it's just chaos you, you guys all know you're, you're, you you make movies totally <laughs> um so yeah, do any come to mind of like folks you guys want to shout out? Shout out Anissa Salazar and Michelle Chung here. Woo! Okay, so hair, and ma- hair and makeup department heads, solid, solid. Echo Quan, Echo Quan. Oh yeah, big fan. You of stole Echo. mine. Oh sorry, sorry. Let's just talk about Echo I didn't for thirty it. more minutes. Well, we should just Please. talk about like Echo. Just yeah. Do you want to talk about her involvement and yeah, how yeah. amazing it was? So to rewind the, the script was written in 100% in English, but as you see in the film, it's it's in Chinglish. You know, it's a mixture of Chinese, English, Cantonese. And uh, Quan and I both uh, were really poor uh, students in Chinese school, and we had to go on Saturday mornings. I was slightly better than him, so my Chinese is slightly better than his as well. Um, so I was the one who kind of like was trying to put it into the vernacular of my home, but like my Chinese is so bad, I was like Google translating it. All oh, right, that's what it is, and then putting it in. And then when we cast uh, cast Key, 
Ki Hui Kwan, he's like, my wife is a pretty good translator and maybe she can help. And then she just came in. I think because like he started going through the script and he was giving, she just started giving us notes. Oh, right. She just came in. And she in. was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, but um, no one would say it like his that. speech yeah. is bad. And, yeah. and we'd be like, sorry. why? Uh, please help us. Yeah, so she just came in and then worked with me on the side. It was just like, all right, this is this is how we would say it properly in Chinese. And then I would butcher it and add in English words to say, okay, well, this is how I feel like I would say it. And then we'd show it to them, and then they'd be like, but, oh, yeah, 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 that sounds good. But then ultimately it all happened real time. Our first our first um, reading of the script with the cast, with the family, you know, Michelle and Key and, and everyone, um, we were sitting there, Echo was there, and we were all just like, kind of throwing back and forth how our aunts would say it or how someone, like, how, this is how my grandfather would say it. And it was actually really a great bonding experience and really fun. And it, it also showed me, like, oh, man, this movie's going to be good. Just watching all of them interact. They were a real family, and it was it was a very exciting moment. But yeah. Echo was such a big part of it because she, out of everyone in the whole crew, she was actually amazing at Cantonese, amazing at Mandarin, and her English was was, was, was like really good enough to, for us to um, work out, work with. And, and if but, she had a problem with English, she would just talk to Key, yeah, yeah, yeah. and together the three of them were yeah. totally fluent in all three. Like and then the funny duo. thing is, Echo was like, I've been in America for a very long time because I followed my husband here. They met in, in Hong Kong, um, and I have not been hired for anything this entire time. And the last job she had was uh, working for Wong Kar Wai in Hong Kong. And so this gem of a human being who understands production, who has worked closely with Wong Kar Wai, uh, has just been kind of sitting at home waiting or trying to figure out what to do with her life. And like this thing kind of, it just kind of fell together in a really great way. And yeah, she, we she had became no idea. like our she, mascot. She was so, she was such a cheerleader for the whole movie. She um, did a ton of work for free. Like I think stayed up first. all night helping yeah. with the script. And we were like, please be the translator. We'll and hire she, you. We'll give you money. And she cried when we hired her. And then not only that, she then showed up every day there was Chinese dialogue and then became our language expert on set and was like, no, 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 you wouldn't say it like that because she was knowing, all right, you're from you're from Hong Kong, you're from Taiwan, you're from mainland China, and was like correcting everyone's accents. And without her, it could have been a total mess. And she was the mascot, and she would make snacks and, and bring people presents. She'd bring soup for Michelle every day. <laughs> like she'd cook this in, like home-cooked soup for Michelle. She was incredible. And she'd wear Google eyes on her face all the time. Just a, she yeah. still just checks in on me sometimes. Like I'm not... <laughs> Just, I don't, just, just, hey, how is she here? You know? Is she here? She's I, know, no, I, she I don't know. wish. Here. She'd be she so left. embarrassed. <laughs> she, she messaged me saying that she hopes that I have a great life. <laughs> Which is uh, really I guess you're never going to see her again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't ever talk to me. Have a good life. <laughs> okay, so, so far, um, YouTube begging find Wong Kar Wai's um, ex-employees. Okay, good. Um, uh, oh, oh, actually, before we move on, uh, Anissa, you, yeah. just because we called you out, Hair, makeup, looks. How many looks did you have to do for this movie? Um, well, we're getting also ready to do some press, so I had to go back to our emails from two and a half years ago. And I was looking through, and it's definitely over like 27 for Michelle that we didn't include. And then I think for Stephanie, it was 25 or a little less. Yeah. And um, it was funny though, like you guys are saying, like, Yeah, good bet. Okay, so for the people at home, mid-20s, 
um, for Michelle, mid-20s for... And that's the number of looks that yeah. the actors had. For, so she had to keep track of them. And some of them we returned to them over and over. And right, the of continuity of it is a mess. And then um, some of them were like, oh, this afternoon we're just going to do six looks. One every 15 minutes. <laughs> go, go, go! <laughs> That's your fault. You kept sending us awesome reference photos. So for everyone like, at home, Anissa is bragging, saying yeah. she's really good, and she's She'd doing... She'd be like, oh, maybe Jobu <laughs> has like a giant like bagel-shaped hairdo, and we're like, yes. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw the K-pop look, but she has Jobu in her bangs kind of stuck to her forehead. And she had like 10 minutes to do it, too. Um, but Anissa brings up good, bad, and I think that's a really good, it, it kind of goes back to what John was saying about the trust and understanding, and um, I think people who work with us know that there's there's a good, bad uh, balance, a ratio. Um, for a movie like this, you know, it's like 10% of all these things that we're talking about, that's the good. Let's make those work. Let's invent a lot of, invest a lot of time and money to finding the right looks or the right stunt people or the right, uh, you know, the right amount of time in the schedule. And then, you know, you have the next tier, the next 25% is like, that's like, okay, like, it's passable, maybe it looks good from a couple angles. And then once you get be be beyond that, like, the, the remaining, I said 10%, 25%, okay, 65%, it's just like bad. Yeah, just, just uh, totally, uh, don't, don't phone it in, but just like, don't worry about it. If it's stressing you out, tell us and we'll find a replacement. Um, if you happen to, you know, walk, be walking down the street and you see an old couch, and you're like, that's good, pick it up. Just like whatever you think you can fill that rest, that, that 65%, we will take it and we will do something with it. It's, it's this weird, uh, it's like uh, the 10%, let's plan everything we can and the rest of it, let's leave it up to the film gods and improv, Im improvise. And um, I think uh, every single department head, once they work with us, they understand that and suddenly they basically, they're not, they're not saying how are we going to pull this off. They're, they're asking, uh, what's, what's the good part? What's the part that we have to focus on? And I think, um, that's the only reason why something like this can exist is, is uh, you know, for the money or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I think you guys did a really good job in writing the script to take place almost entirely in an office building. Like that really, really helped like every single department. Do you want to talk more about that? Me? Yeah, just the. the just <laughs> oh, what did it help? Well, no, because like, it wasn't there. There was like an original, an original script. You guys didn't think like the Die Hard method, right? Like it was just. It was kind of everywhere, right? It kept uh, the the two hundred forty page draft did a, did some adventuring into the parking lot and parking garage and down the street and but there was always a lot of office building but still like definitely in the rewriting process we we started trying to be like how many spaces can we reuse how much can we focus this where how can we keep the stunts all within this building and then. Uh, we tried to see how many things can we shoot in the building that don't even take place technically in the building. Like, how can we use this building like a... Uh, like a mini stage. Like a lot, you know. Um, yeah, so for we those built of you the get, apartment in the building. For those of you guys who don't know, like, like, every time you move a film production, it costs... How much does it cost to just transport everyone? A ton, but it also... It eats hours and hours and hours of a day. Which is also, which is maybe even more important, the time. And so with a movie like this that like, you know, has literally an infinite number of locations, uh, we were like, this is n we're never going to be able to make our days if we're constantly moving our people. And so this is something that Shiner always pushes for is like, how 
how few moves can we get in our, in our entire schedule? And like when we do move, let's make sure it counts and it's worth it. Um, and so for this movie, how many weeks were we in the IRS building? Seven, seven. I think. I mean, seven shooting, right? Yeah. 35 days. Yeah, around mm-hmm. there, I think. Oh, I think it might have been less, though. A little it was bit less six. Than that. Six weeks. Yeah. Right? Six, yeah. and then one week in the laundromat, and then oh. one week running around like crazy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Just the so, last week, we were like, and hot dogs, movie star, alleyway. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu fight scene. Yeah, it's, it's church, crazy. temple. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a location, an infamous location in L.A. called DC Stages that's like, I don't know how this thing still exists, but it's one big warehouse with like 400 standing sets. But they're all like high school theater level. Yeah, yeah Larkin was like, please don't shoot there. (laughs) You like look out the window of the bedroom set and you're like, is that a jail and a library? (laughs) But that, I mean, that is one of those things that you're talking about where it's like, it's good, bad. Like we were just able to go boom, 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 boom and shoot so many scenes in that one location. But if you guys weren't willing to do that, it would have been impossible. We kept saying, like, the she's a sign spinner. We'll just shoot it. She'll just spin a sign on the side of the street. And then Larkin was so upset. It was in the trailer. He's like, take, no, the sign spinner's in the trailer. You told me that shot wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I didn't light it. <laughs> wow, Larkin sounds like a diva. <laughs> right? Jeez. He's like, I want it to look good. Everyone on our crew's great except for Larkin. <laughs> Um, but like for even more context, like the apartment, the, the the family apartment at the beginning of the movie and um, throughout, that was uh, built inside the cafeteria of this building. Um, so was the you know the inside of the the Alpha RV with all the sci-fi tech that was built in the cafeteria as well. Um, and we just kept like trying to redress things within the same space. And another great thing about that is. If you are, if you've ever done a production where the production office is here and then the location is here and then for some reason there's a casting thing happening here, uh, again, you are spending your entire day in traffic and it's not a really great place for you to be pre-producing or think, thinking creatively. And so instead, we were just, you know, using scooters, going around, you're running around this building, going from each department who are all literally next to each other. And then sometimes if people have questions, rather than be like, let's set a meeting for that later, you just say, just go next door. And it. it the efficiency is, was so important for a project like this where the conversations had to happen fast and, and before, you know, because every single decision has a ripple effect across every department. So we had to make decisions fast and everyone had to be kind of tight-knit in this way. And so being in one space, creating the summer camp vibe, um, I think is like one of the biggest decisions we made that kind of made this whole thing more manageable. And I'm so glad we found this uh, defunct, weird looking, you know, that atrium is like hilarious, but uh, I love it. Which I guess one of the unsung heroes then would be Jason and Kelsey, who aren't here. They just left. But the production designer, Jason Gisvarde, and the set decorator, Kelsey Ephraim, they uh, they kind of started this whole practice on the Turn Down For What video, which, if you don't know, he's the he's the guy in Turn Down For What. That's him. It's the best music video yeah. of all time. Go look it up. <laughs> um, but what the way we achieved that was we found one space that we could dress really cheaply, and then we would go and shoot like outside do something like an effect as they quickly reset and then we shoot it for a different apartment shoot something else over here pop back in and then shoot that again and we did that same model for uh the wong family's apartment they dressed that made it look great and then they stripped everything out turned it into the hot dog universe and then they stripped that out broke it down then we built the rv set next to it and so all that efficiency of shooting we could 
leapfrog and do all of this stuff. But not everyone would be willing to do that. But Jason and Kelsey were so down. I just want to say one thing about the hot dog universe. You guys remember the hot dog universe, right? It's like uh, it's very pink. There's a lot of cats. It's like it's like a completely different vibe. And that's a really that's the next thing that comes out of the good bad paradigm is you say don't worry about the hot dog universe. It's a joke. And then the person who's working on it, so Kelsey, um, our set decorator, was like. I love the hot dog universe. I'm gonna push it into the 10%. And so she went all out. They changed every every piece of furniture, the the carpet, everything was just pink and hot dog colors. And it looks amazing and it feels it feels completely different, even though it's technically the same space. Um, and every single week, one of our crew members are saying, I'm pushing something into the the 10% because I care and I love this thing and I want it to be good. And so uh, that's another thing that comes out of working with friends or people who are passionate or people who like really um, this is more than a job for them is you get these surprises. So we have all these contingency plans and we're like bare minimum, like with, we always talk about Swiss Army Man. If no one lets us make this movie, bare minimum, the reason why we wrote it the way we wrote it is at least we can play it and we can go take a camera with a friend and shoot it for $10,000. You know, like, what is our contingency plan? Um, and with this movie, we had so many contingency plans, but every single time our, our friends, you know, they're, they are, they're just friends now, um, would just be like, nope, this is gonna be the best part. Rakakuni, Rakakuni, we said, we, yeah, I know, it's amazing, right? And it's only because Jason Hamer, who does all of our practical... He was like, no, we told him, this is not a priority, it can look like taxidermy, yes. like, it, it can be so ugly. And he was like, nope, I'm going to make an incredible animatronic uh, That can, like, with, like, pulley, pulley hair in, in a wig. So Harry Shum Jr. is wearing a wig that has pulley systems. Like, it's ten like, different controls for, yeah. like, eye, mouth, ears, right. neck. It could hump. And it's, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, Jason, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and it's a really weird counterintuitive thing because most directing is all about, like, over micromanaging, being like, I want it to be exactly like this, and this has to be exactly like this, and like, I definitely fall into those that uh, those pitfalls sometimes as a director. Um, but this is almost the opposite. It says this is like play. We kept saying quantity over quality. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then, <laughs> and people were like, no, I want this one to be good. Exactly. Like, Fine. So the, instead of instead of you know instead of like pushing them and forcing them to do it, they they kind of naturally went towards what they actually were passionate about. And because of it, I think it made it so much, the whole movie just sings because of those kind of creators or, or collaborators. Well, I will also add to that just that the script itself draws in people who like to do their job and like to do things that are creative and outside of the box. So like every department head is excited to make this raccoon be just ridiculous and absurd because when is he going to ever get to make a raccoon like that ever again? Mm. And and that goes for like most of the movies. Well, like everyone's asking for a spinoff. Spin exactly, everyone's asking for it. Thirty green lit. I wanted to bring him to the premiere, but it's too but I, there is one thing maybe you guys didn't know about, about which was Potato Gate, which was <laughs> there was a there was an idea um, that you guys had that I think that it it somehow didn't communication is key on movies and sometimes oh, things right. fall through the cracks, and uh, one was that you wanted one of the guards to um, you wanted Jobu to touch the guard and the guard to turn into a sack of potatoes, um, and that didn't get fully communicated in prep, and so then it became a surprise, and it it involved every single department. It involved VFX, and it involved special right. effects, it involved stunts, it involved art, and everybody was like running to John and I's office being like, we don't, we don't know how. We, we don't have potatoes. Like, what do we do about it? <laughs> and it was like, a whole yeah. day just being like, what about these potatoes? 24 oh, no. hours of just talking about 
a sack of God, potatoes. This makes me so sad. Uh, and we all just refer to it as Potato Gate for the rest of the movie. Oh, man. Yeah, because in our brains, we're like, oh, a guy goes, ah, and then we'll throw his clothes in the air and some potatoes. Uh, but yeah, practical effects was like, how's it working? Visual effects, how's it working? Clothes, how many extra, do we need an extra p pair of clothes? We totally didn't think through how many departments would I, freak out. I think out. Jason even showed up on set, who was offset designing. He showed up on set. He's like, I, he I heard about potatoes. <laughs> Oh my God! And Guys, then it turned out great. The shot looks the, awesome. The yeah, shot looks great. and Zach like helped us do the visual effect. Looked great. Uh, movie was too long. We cut it. <laughs> Cutting room floor. The, t the actor killed it. What was his name? Seth. Seth. One of our like main riggers on the stunt team. That was his big cameo. He went so hard, just like. Ah! Yeah. Uh, cutting room floor. <laughs> and so sad. <laughs> the other thing that I'll say is that like the the thing about our our sets is like we try to run them very flat. Like we don't have reserved seats. Producers aren't more important than directors. Aren't more important than PAs. So when you come on our sets, we but try. you do have your own special coffee. Yeah, I but brought you it make myself. It yourself, so, but I would make yeah. it for everyone. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a snob, but he's like an egal like egalitarian snob. No, right. it's okay. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, but that, that was what we all decided to do was we were going to put the PAs first in the credits very intentionally. Which it it was yeah. my partner Steph's idea. Oh, yeah, where's Steph? Where's yeah. Steph? There she is. That was her idea. But we, we, we all decided that, of, of course, uh, that's a no-duh. We got to do that because what we, what we try to do is like, we try to have the movie be uh, – there is no unsung heroes. We try to sing the praise of all the heroes. So we always hand out weekly awards and – and do all uh, these things to make everyone know just how hard they're working and just how good of a job they do. Do you have any memorable... What, what, what? what did the awards look like, John? Like, where did they come from? <laughs> oh, was this one of your questions that I just... <laughs> no, no, I'm excited. It kind of was. Good segue. Uh, well, it started when we did Swiss Army Man, and I did this really stupid thing called the Poop Awards, because our movie's really stupid, so why not have a stupid award? Uh, and it stood for Producer's Outstanding Overachieving Person. Exactly. <laughs> Easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. And then and we gave out Poop Time Life Achievement Awards. Yeah, Poop Time Life Achievement Awards. Those <laughs> were really did good. An extra good yeah. job. <laughs> but the idea, this was John's idea, and to his credit, it was just brilliant. Every single day in the morning, we do warm ups with everyone. We just do like a little camp exercise, and then we get. That was out. our idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was that. There Great was idea. That. And then he. He'd come like, in and yes he'd be like, ended. okay, yesterday we asked everyone on set who, who really excelled, and we, you know, call it out. And it doesn't matter who it is, like if, if it is, you know, the boom operator or a PA or I the person the that the first created. poop award was for a um, teamster. teamster like teamster. one of the drivers who was just the sweetest and he came on set and started helping us like jiggle a fake car on day one of Swiss Army Man and then it's so funny like the gifts on Swiss Army Man were like I went to CVS and like bought a roll of toilet paper and was like here you go like you get this award you gave out diapers I gave out time. it was just so silly yeah. the first time and but people then loved it. people loved it and they, they worked like, harder they got really it was like, like thank you for this this this, this pack exactly a pack of toilet paper, <laughs> but it's it's really just the thought. It's like being acknowledged and being seen um, by your collaborators is such an important part of any creative process, and that gets lost in film because of how much of a machine it has become. And I think we're very, I think one reason why our movies are able to sing for so low budget is because we fill we fill this cup of 
whatever the passion cup, whatever you want to call it, you know, that passion equity. Um, and we try to maintain that throughout the shoot um, because we want to have our passion cups filled, right? <laughs> and like, and also we make people work hard. Yes. And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, well, at least you get a prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna. No one's job was easy. So I ended up upping my game from uh, CVS toilet paper to uh, I bought uh, little rats because it was the year of the rat, the Chinese year. And so we would pass the rat. And so, you know, the first week we gave it to someone and then we we decided that it would be better because it was a bigger crew that that person would then talk to their other departments and they would they would decide who they would elect. So then there was, it was just a passing on of the rat. But then there was also, uh, we made Rakakuni medals uh, for like a weekly weekend awards where it was kind of like uh, a special distinction. And it, I wish I, I, we still have extras of those. We should, I know, have, we should have brought them. Kind of given them out to you guys for being Rakakuni great listeners. Swag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so. then you made mugs as well. We had yeah. award mugs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh, how, how do you how do you spend your guys' money on uh, these movies? So like, mugs and medals. Yeah, custom mugs. Yeah, that was that was my money. So don't um, worry, it didn't take it from the screen. Mm. It was, it was. But my my other question was going to be that like, um, in keeping with that, early on we talked about how we wanted to uh, make the set, set like uh, fun, like good vibes. Uh, sustainable when possible like do community outreach or celebrate people and all of you like had great ideas about how to make that happen and i just wanted you to compliment each other or talk about like uh things that worked or things we tried you know under that umbrella on the movie uh i mean we had a sustainability coordinator which is something that we hadn't had before but we'd always wanted to uh shout out Vange spracklin who i don't think is here but <laughs> is great um, yeah, so she, she ran around telling people what to put in which garbage cans. Yeah. Be like, that doesn't go in there. That's <laughs> compost. Or like, you know, we, we didn't have water bottles on set and like that can be kind of a scary thing for people on cruise because it's just a mainstay. But, you know, the amount of water bottles that go through, you know, in a, in a day is kind of mind boggling. I don't so, like bottled water. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, a big part no. of that is food waste. There's a lot of food, food waste, waste on yeah, film yeah, sets yeah. a lot because of the way that you know film catering usually works is that they just make 40% more than you ever need because they don't ever want to run out. That would be embarrassing and scary or whatever. But uh, yeah, dealing with that food waste was one of the biggest things of just making sure like these five trays of food get to go to this place this week, this place that week. Um, the water bottle thing was huge, and then th we actually shot this straight up until the moment COVID hit, uh, and then we spent the next two years not being able to do any of that sustainability stuff yeah. with water And we're like, you know what sharing. we should do on the pickups is everyone should have an individually packaged disposable <laughs> meal wrapped in several layers of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing about the, the sustainability is you, if you put all your stuff into the separate bins on a film shoot, and then you put all that stuff outside, it's up to someone that we don't know to come and pick it up and then recycle it. And oftentimes what happens, sadly, is they just put it into the trash dump and yeah. just drives away. So no matter how good you feel on set putting it in a recycling bin, it doesn't do anything. So luckily we had, we actually sourced the recycling company to come, here's the bottles, here's the paper, here's the trash, and then. And Vange actually figured out like, oh, this recycling plant doesn't take certain things that people throw in there and we were like, carefully trying to get rid of those. She things. actually made us play a little recycling game halfway through the shoot just yeah. to train everyone. It's like, okay, everyone get, like it's again, like what are you guys doing wasting your time playing? We were playing a game about like, 
like, like she a made quiz us, show. Yeah, she yeah. would hand us something and be like, "Which bin?" Yeah, <laughs> while the whole crew watched. Yeah, the whole Dan crew was watching. I. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I, I feel like things like that are so inspiring to us, just because process is everything. You know, it's like that's how you spend your days, that's how you spend your life, and um, eventually that becomes who you are. And um, it's not just about the final product, and that's something I had to learn through ten years of working with Shiner, who's always been about process, and I've always been about final product. Um, and so I think I, I'm so excited that this movie we leveled up on a creative level, but we also are leveling up on just just all these other aspects that I think are so important to our own like humanity, our own like you know mental you know. And I think it affects the final product, you know, because yeah. like uh, we burnt the candle at both ends and got demoralized on some projects and it's like well it wasn't as good you know because we got sad and tired and mean you know well i would say a huge thing was when you guys cut together a very rough version of the fanny pack fight and then played it for the crew because there are people like the teamsters who were never on set then there were so many people that had no idea what you guys were actually shooting because they were never there that got to see it and like it it had a ripple effect for days after you guys showed it to people. That's true. We showed it. We showed it during lunch, and people. It, it was the fanny pack fight, like right. And you guys saw that. That thing's amazing. It's such a fun sequence, um, and our editor just threw it together really quickly. And even in that very. He's moment, here. Oh yeah. There he is. Paul. Paul. Hey. Oh, Paul, Paul Rogers. Maestro. Um, and I just remember the moment we broke for lunch. People were like let's go fucking do this. Let's go make a movie. And like, I just, it was felt so cool. I was like, this is amazing. And we did it like, it wasn't halfway through the shoot, but like, it, you know, we had been working for a while and people were tired and it was just a really beautiful thing to be like, oh yeah, remind them why they're doing this and they will, you know, they will, they will want to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, all those little things are so important. Speaking of reminders, you guys are the moderators, but I think oh, we yeah. have to go to Q and A Q&A, guys. Let's okay. Um, so if you have a question, um, there's a microphone they want us to uh, use because they're recording this. Uh, right over there. Cool, I don't have to do my questions, great. Hi, I'm a Daniel as well. Oh, no, no way. Oh, sorry, sit down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, questions from people not named Daniel. <laughs> yeah. uh, how long did it take to get Michelle and Steph in the rock costumes? <laughs> no, but really, we can't uh, tell you about the rock scene. It's insane. No, I would love to. Really, I, I just was wondering if there were any shots that were deceptively complex that actually had just really simple solutions, or shots that would everybody would think would be CG or something, and it was actually just a really easy practical. I'd love for y'all to answer. Like, if there's shots you were like, I thought that was gonna be so much harder than like it actually was, or. Or just ones you're proud of us. You're like, good job. That was a good one. <laughs> All of them. You did a really good job, buddy. Uh, I'll, I'll, a quick question for the last one. A shot that's 100% in camera is um, that you would never expect. When she is in the uh, audit, she presses the button. She zooms back through with the rolly chair into the closet. Up until the moment of impact, that's all in camera, and we wow. just uh, cranked that, uh, cranked the uh, frame rate really low, opened up the shutter, and we just had her bl move really slow motion, and everything is streaking, and it was—it's just really effective and fun. We didn't even speed it up or anything, and it's, it's all in camera. We just played it back at 24, and that's what it looks like. Wow. We did a bunch of tests with like iPhones and rolly chairs before the shoot, and it was just—it was so fun. We just kept taking turns, but like, oh, we should probably get another take of like. <laughs> 
almost all almost all the effects that like you see whether the confetti effect or all this it's 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 pretty simple comping like at the end of the day and that's how we were able to achieve it so it's like you you have someone act you keep the camera where it is and then you throw confetti you drop a shirt and then in post you comp it together mm -hmm. but so it's not like cg you're not doing big cg effects at all right. and so i mean that's how that is a major way we pulled this off you guys ever heard hear of TikTok? You know, you know how they do all that like match cutty stuff. Um, those those That's TikTok, all we did. Those TikToks artists are honestly better than us, and I watch them and I feel bad about myself. So it's like <laughs> that's basically all we're doing. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, at what point did Sun Lux get involved in the project, and uh, were they kind of? Did you have an idea that they were going to be involved from the beginning, or was that something that happened in post? And then, like, any particular notes of like working with artists like Ryan, Rafik, and and, uh, yeah. A fan, a big fan. Yeah, we um, Dan writes with music a lot, and so like uh, we had like a ten-hour playlist by the time we were done with like the first draft or something. Um, and at some point, Dan's like found Sun Lux's music. They're the composers, and then he found that each of the three guys in the band have their own solo work, where they kind of delve into their very specific instruments and backgrounds, and uh, and we just fell in love with it. And we're like, oh my god, like this. Each of their solo records could be a different universe. Uh, and so it's they just the variety and also the technical. They they are just like technical geniuses when it comes to music. And yeah. like these are the people who are going to somehow make this work. So they came on uh, the fall before we shot. We reached out, and we it turns out they're the sweetest guys. They're so nice. They're very enthusiastic. Uh, for a minute, we thought it was going to be fun that Ryan lived nearby. Um, but then uh, COVID hit, and uh, we were never in the same room. Uh, so, um, but they they were incredible to work with the, the other kind of miraculous thing that happened was um, they gave us every song they'd ever made with the instrumental version they just took the vocals out and gave it to us so then with Paul we cut the movie with temp score but all the temp score like 80% of it was just their music and we were like anyway now replace your song with something you know but it's uh it's already tonally in the fabric of the movie, um, which was so fun for us. Yeah. And then the, the main reason why we hired them early is because they, they not only wrote the score, but you know they wrote the Rakakuni song, they wrote the Hot Dog Finger musical, the the you know all that stuff. So they wrote they wrote, and it was really fun because they were so outside of their comfort zone. Their music is so beautiful and serious and like just like. Uh, insanely epic, and so like, can you make like a you know like a 1950s musical about like hot dogs fingers and stuff like that? And they're like, okay, sure. Um, that was the, yeah, that was their first thing they had to write, and they're like, what have we signed up for? <laughs> uh, and then the the last thing I'll say is that they connected us with all these awesome other artists that kind of contribute to the score. Um, and John, along with the band and their manager, kind of helped us connect the dots and get. Uh, you know, Randy Newman to voice a raccoon and uh, Andre 3000 to play his flute for us. <laughs> Good question, thank you. Hi, um, so I cried throughout like the entire second half of the movie. Like, Why even not the first half? The first half too, but like. I was just great, thank you. Well, Honestly, thank you so much. Great. <laughs> but 
there's some like crazy random shit that happens and I was just wondering how did you make such absurd scenes so touching and how did you handle that balance? Yeah, um, there's something weird about our brains where um, like if I watch a movie that I know is going to be sad and then the sad part happens, I don't get that sad. Or, you know, like I'm like, oh, I'm in that movie. Oh, it's that movie. This is that scene in that movie. And And for us, like it's that juxtaposition that actually breaks down our barriers and our, you know, makes it, makes it suddenly hit home. Cause you're like, Oh God, I don't know what movie I'm in. And, but that made me sad, you know? Um, and so we, yeah, we kind of just make movies in a way that works on us. Um, and, and also that on the opposite side, that's when I laugh the hardest is, is if I'm emotionally invested in something stupid happens, then I like cackle. But like if a stand up comic makes a witty observation, I'm like, hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's mostly because like our, uh, our lives are just chaos and like you, you're feeling every emotion at the same time now. It's like really, it's like, it just felt really truthful. And, um, the more the, you know, we started this movie back in 2016, you know, right before, you know, everything just started to feel crazier and crazier, you know, like our, our, our empathy is being stretched in all these different directions. And so it, it feels honest to be laughing and crying and confused and disgusted all at the same time. And so it, it was, a, it's a really, I remember it's a real we like challenge. had a writing retreat and we came up with Rakakuni. Uh, and then like a week later, Trump was elected and I had like a mental health crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Woo! Oh, that week was like the movie. It was like yeah. so highs, high highs, um, low lows. But I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you loved it and I'm glad you were able to feel all of it. I, I like to think of this movie as a as a stretching exercise for your your emotions and your soul. Just want to make you feel everything, the full range of everything, so you don't hurt yourself out in the real world, you know. Um, so I, I hope uh, I hope you feel stretched and ready for the rest of your life. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. They're saying one more question. Oh no. Um, uh, for everyone else, um, we'll we'll be around. You you can ask us a question. That's fine. Cool. I feel honored. Um, so this was just such an imaginative movie. I feel like you guys just pulled all of these random things and brought them to life in such a scrappy way. I was curious if there was anything that you weren't able to bring to life or any like, oh fuck moments where something almost died and then you were able to save it, like Potato Gate or any kind of things like that. That's a good question. Jeez. I'm trying to think of any big ones. I know that there's like a lot of stuff in the original script that ended up getting cut. Like I think that Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy is obviously the Spaghetti one. Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy. We did a whole pickup shoot like in the pandemic. People were like standing like, this is so early days, we didn't even know what was going on. Like we we're like wearing masks, shields, washing our hands, like bleaching our mouths. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not really, but. Uh, you but kept doing, yeah, that hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like, I was like, John, it's dewormer. Not, that's listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah. And just He's like, guys want dewormer? No. <laughs> Fuck, uh, John. <laughs> no, but we ended up doing a whole shoot of Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy in the pandemic, and we cut it all together in the movie, and then that. It just ended up going away. Uh, I feel like someone should just explain Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy real quick. Yeah, it's yeah. so easy. <clears throat> you guys get it, right? In this scene, in the... In the name when, explains the... It's a, we shot Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy. <laughs> in the scene where it's in, in Chinatown uh, with the CEO, Wayman, and the movie star, uh, Evelyn, she says, uh, my mind is breaking. I can think of any random thing, and it comes to life, like spaghetti or a baby and 
boy. And then she's in a pot and she's a little macaroni with swirling spaghetti. And the macaroni's having an existential crisis why it's not a spaghetti. Right. She's the spaghetti mom. And then Spaghetti Baby Noodle Boy is upset because no one else has a hole like him. And he's a, mac- he's a talking macaroni. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just, yeah, it was just, we wanted These them. were like big, lifelike puppet, like the puppets like this big. No, was, like this is spaghetti guys. baby movie got this the big. Spaghetti was like big. <laughs> yeah. Right, we had yeah. we had a big old pot. Oh, yeah. We shot it with oh. yeah, bigatures. I thought of a good one. Tim set up a huge like one story, like, what I don't know, like fifty by fifty set oh, of yeah. boxes, mm-hmm. so that a Jamie Lee Curtis stunt double could jump off of the top of the IRS building and then like commit suicide essentially. Mm-hmm. And because Joe Boo tells her to, yeah. yeah. And we did it, and it was all in this practical shot where Jamie stumbles back, falls out of frame, and then the stunt double runs and jumps off the edge of a bill of of the of the atrium the balcony and yeah. fell. And we did it like three times, and it was epic. Never made it in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were also going to bring back the song "Barbie Girl." Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Thank you. I forgot. You guys about there's no a whole idea. Barbie Girl through line. Oh, the movie it was huge. Been, it was it was yeah. like central to the plot. The opening yeah. credits were the were the family singing karaoke together. And they sang Barbie Girl, and at the end, uh, they sing it again, but with everybody. We had too many endings. It, it felt like people were very mad. Uh, we still do have too many endings, Yeah, but now like, we have like... When that was in there, people were like, part three, I was angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> the movie was over. Uh, sorry, Larkin. Larkin wanted it to end with Barbie Girl. Larkin is such a diva. It's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, wait, you can say he's a Barbie question. girl. Yeah. There's a whole nother sequence where we're just ruining our own movie for you guys. There's a sequence with like a talking urn where Michelle's dead and she's like her, her urn self. Uh, and um, when we were shooting it, Larkin was like, this is going to be great for the Blu-ray, guys. Uh, and we're like, we're like, no, it's going to be in the movie. And he's like, sure, sure, sure. And uh, he was right. He was right. Um. Thank you for your questions, guys. Thank you for coming uh, to listen to us. I, I think it's actually really important that people understand how indie films are made and why it's so hard for them to, you know, exist in this current climate. You know, up against like big blockbusters and things that are really flashy and and also for you to know that um, uh, we didn't do it all. Yeah. Uh, and it's so exciting to celebrate just a fraction of the crazy team of people who actually made this movie possible. Uh, so round of applause, not for us, uh, but for them, please. <laughs> and all of you. Thank you. Thank you.